We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a tech-savvy royal family. Yes, yes, ever since the palace became Wi-Fi enabled, it's become so easy to use the Name Your Price tool on Progressive.com. I do agree, my queen. Simply telling it what we want to spend and seeing all our policy options, I'll send a screenshot to Duke, the Duke of Kent. No, my friend Duke, we're in a group chat together, LOL. It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, October 6th, 2015. 
I'm Jake Letarski here with Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCAT30, myself at Jakeski52. Eric, the Green Bay Packers are 4-0. How many of your fantasy teams can say the same? Actually, uh, still two of them out of four. So um, the undefeated record is still in play for one of them. There we go. <laughs> anyway, okay. the other two are one and three. So, you know, still work to do on those. Yeah. And uh, this podcast will help you, you know, hopefully bounce back here if, if you're in a similar situation. Yeah, well, there's a lot of drafts this year where you had to take players that weren't going to produce right away. And, and for that reason, I think some of mine have fell fell a little bit behind. I'm mostly 500 across the board doing really well in some points, but like I was telling you before the pod, I mean, the league that I'm 0-4 in, my receivers are Odell Beckham, Jordan Matthews, and Mike Evans, so maybe underperforming, but I still don't feel bad about that team. Yeah, and you think you'll come back to the mean at some point, too, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess you'll have to go on a run at yeah. if you want to make the playoffs but still mm-hmm. yeah and in that specifically I started now this is just a bonehead move on my part I guess but I started Arian Foster over Doug Martin with him coming back this week cost me cost me the matchup but right I'm going to continue to do that move moving forward pretty much here yeah all right well this podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher so we would appreciate it if you could please take the time to leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on either of those platforms Quick rundown for the podcast today. It is Tuesday, so it is our waiver wire focus. However, we will start first by going over the Monday Night Football recap here. Again, that was the Detroit Lions heading over to Seattle where they took a tough 13-10 defeat. A little bit of controversy at the end there. We might hit on that in a little bit, but uh, let's just kind of start with the Lions on the Lions side. Really, the Lions defense played one of their better games of the year, but the offense couldn't really, well, didn't really score to score three points, essentially, mm-hmm. because there was the defensive touchdown there. I actually right. caught a break in uh, one of our staff leagues where I was down by 10 points. They needed had the Lions defense going up against Calvin Johnson and was very surprisingly uh, able to pull that one out there. Oh, wow. That yeah. is, did the fumble also play into that, too? just eking it out yeah i mean i ended up winning by 10 points because oh, the defensive touchdown okay. by the giants really spread it out a bit and you mean and, lines yeah or uh, yeah the lines exactly <laughs> i don't know what no I'm, I'm looking at too many screens right now i'm gonna close <laughs> some of those out here but anyway yeah speaking of megatron i guess we'll start there he was targeted a team high 11 times uh ended up with seven catches for 56 yards no touchdowns of course we've got like a an eight-point fantasy swing caused by that fumble at the goal line, right? Right. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, still pretty high on Johnson. It seems like he's pretty clearly the top target in that offense. Kind of looking down the line to Golden Tate, he was only targeted four times, finished with three catches for 21, or 29 yards, and a few players got a few more targets. Actually, both backs, Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah, were targeted five times out of the backfield. I think that's primarily a result of Matt Stafford getting hurried or rushed by that defense and needing to check down to the running backs. Riddick actually caught five passes for 31 yards, getting owners some minor utility in PPR formats. There was a Tim Wright sighting, one catch for 26 yards on two targets. And, and that was because Eric Ebron left the game with a knee injury. Yes, exactly. I was. We were just going to get to that there. Uh, Eric Ebron three targets two catches for 22 yards of course he left that game very early with a knee injury he was looking to be heavily involved early on before that knee injury but now uh he had to get carted off the field the look on his on his face was pure disgust like like he knew thought he was going to miss some time but good news for fantasy owners it doesn't look like there's any structural damage in that knee so although he may not be available for a couple weeks still kind of confirming that uh he will eventually be able to be used for the rest of the season and from what we've seen uh in his usage by the team early on you're still encouraged for the rest of the season on ebron right oh yeah definitely he'll, he'll definitely he should be 
you know, number two or three targeted guy in the offense on a weekly basis mm-hmm. when he's healthy. Yeah, and w- once he comes back and say he puts together the last uh, last couple weeks, I mean, you almost got to think of the guy as a surefire top ten tight end next year. Uh, yeah, probably approaching uh, you know mm-hmm. standard league value for sure. Yeah, yeah, it depends on how some of the rest of those young guys uh, work out. Yeah, there's there. so many good young tight ends in the league. You don't know how the rest of the season is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, especially when Safarian Jenkins eventually comes back. There's some right. encouraging. Uh, Jordan Reed there. too, if he can Jordan bounce Reed. back from a concussion. Yeah, that guy's just got awful luck, always getting hurt here. And we'll yeah. get to some of the tight ends uh, if you own some of those guys later. Some of the tight ends you could potentially replace them with. Uh, we'll move on over to the Seattle side here. Uh, Russell Wilson seemed to get hit a little bit more in this game than usual. That was at least my in- uh, initial observation upon uh, watching this. Ended up with a modest fantasy output, actually a pretty decent fantasy output. Uh, Twenty for twenty-six, two hundred eighty-seven yards and a touchdown. No interceptions. Also ran the ball 10 times for 40 yards so a nice uh uh showing there basically uh when looking at the seattle backfield thomas rawls almost as expected carried the ball 17 times for 48 yards so not a whole lot out of that uh caught one uh pass out of the backfield ended up losing a yard on that also worth noting is uh, fred jackson three carries for 21 yards also four targets two catches for 33 yards but he also left the game um Good news there is that X-ray is negative, but uh, do we we get some more news on that, Eric? Yeah, so Pete Carroll actually said on 710 ESPN Seattle on Tuesday morning that he may have a, or he likely has a high ankle sprain, which is generally a multi-week injury, multi-week absence at the very least. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep an eye on, and if Lynch... We're, we're leaning toward Lynch uh, actually returning from his hamstring injury this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually running on the field before the game, looked good, but they still held him out probably yeah. as a precaution. So it looks like uh, Lynch will be re- returning to that workhorse role nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So you have Rawls really not, um, even though he'll probably be the main guy and with, with Jackson out behind Lynch, I don't know how much he's worth hanging in onto outside of a Lynch handcuff in case really? Lynch miss, misses more time. Indeed, exactly. All right, so let's just look at the Seattle target distribution. Seems to be seems to vary greatly every single week. Yeah. This week, uh, uh, Jermaine Curse ended up with the most yards, but still only targeted twice. Uh, ended up two catches for 84 yards, so a couple big plays helped his case there. Um, Tyler Lockett uh, tied with Jimmy Graham for the lead in targets. Lockett four catches for 58 yards. Jimmy Graham just four catches for 29 yards on five targets. Is it time to push the panic button then? I mean, we've had a four-week sample size on Jimmy Graham, and he seems, I mean... The fact that Luke Wilson still got three targets is a little bit concerning. And, I mean, their offensive line has been pretty poor. They're feeling the loss of Max Unger, and they need him to stay in and block a lot right away. I mean, I'm still starting him as a tight end one anywhere I own him because you kind of have well, to. Well, yeah, because of the investment you made in him, you you have to believe he's actually going to, you know, more often than not actually reach the end zone or have on the other side of the coin, you know, have a lot of production in the passing game. Yeah, he still has got a few red zone targets to his name, not nearly yeah. as much as uh, his healthy days in New Orleans. But as long as he stays the top two or three price tight end on daily formats, I'm pretty much going to stay away from him, right? Yeah, and so Russell Wilson just spreads the ball around to whoever's open. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, Jermaine Kearse or Chris Matthews, it doesn't matter. He's going to throw it to the wide-open guy if mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham is double-teamed on that play. So... I mean, you're going to be hit or miss probably most of the year. It'll be a it'll be a tale of what opposing defenses give to him. Really, yeah. if they're going to double team him, Wilson will find the open man. You mentioned Matthews, one catch on his only target 
for 21 yards there. And that pretty much rounds out the uh, significant Seattle wide receiver options there. Again, a lot of people talk about the controversial ending to this game where, uh, of course, after Calvin Johnson fumbles, how, how many I saw a stat the other day, yes, like upper 30s in red zone catches that was his first fumble but mm-hmm. uh the real story i guess was the batted ball out, out of the end zone there which very tough to review uh from an officiating standpoint and whatnot and hey those seattle officials of course we all remember the fail mary in in, in green bay and and once again seattle ends up with the break at home eh? yeah so that happened within two minutes correct mm-hmm. um I know we're supposed to be able to review almost anything, even turnovers. So yep. it was kind of interesting that they didn't actually review that or weren't able to. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what exactly happened there. Do you, do you know what the rule was, why they couldn't review that? Well, the, the sense I get it is it's a judgment call, and the back judge okay. has to make that judgment call. And if he doesn't think that it was intentional on uh, on, on the first view he I mean he was right there he had a good shot of it sure. uh it's really hard to judge intent especially mm-hmm. on a replay and I don't, i'm not exactly sure what more they could have gotten out of a replay that the back judge didn't get when it was right in front so, of his face. so so if the back judge you know rules the other way what happens do they replay that down i believe it's a safety right because i think of it this way if a punter punts it right. and if a punter's fumbling a snap and or a snap goes way out right of the way on. and the punter knocks it out of the back of the end zone it's not a touchback for that team they don't get the the ball back so it's 13 13 to 12 at that point seattle punts from the 25 or 30 yep okay and and then then they still have to go down the field yeah and then i probably lose my fantasy matchup because (laughs) calvin johnson will will come up big in that scenario yeah but hey once again the line's going to zero and four i thought the bears were going to be the leading candidate for the number one pick in the draft but the lions might give them a run for their money uh, after they've been finding ways to lose games yeah exactly i mean we'll get in a jay cutler very shortly here so yes exactly that's a perfect transition point because we're going to go ahead and start with quarterbacks as far as waiver wire targets heading into week five before we dive into that just a couple bookkeeping notes week five bye weeks panthers dolphins vikings and jets so if you've got a defense or a kicker uh, from any of those teams or if you're a cam newton owner perhaps even Tannehill. i mean Tannehill, you've uh, had to bite the bullet a few times already there but uh, peterson yeah exactly and adrian peterson another big one that you'll need to find some replacements for so we'll get you a few options here just a reminder that all percentages that we discussed are percent owned we do these for yahoo and espn two of the most common formats uh, just to give us a good a, a good gauge of whether or not they'll be available in your league and also fab recommendations that we make uh, we'll, we'll be throwing out a lot of numbers here uh, a quick reminder that all fab recommendations are based on a 12 team standard league with a 100 dollars budget so uh, we might mention here and there if a ppr guy needs a, a knock a few a uh, few dollars up and of course these, these are all very situational too yep. if you absolutely need a running back or need a quarterback this week and need to secure one of these guys of course you're always going to have to bid a few dollars more right but speaking of quarterbacks and speaking of jay cutler uh he actually has a pretty decent matchup this week now jay's only owned in 25 percent of yahoo and 13 percent of espn leagues so there's a very good chance he will be available if you're looking towards the waiver wire this week and by no means should this be mistaken as me being confident about jay cutler rest of season or anything like that this is purely matchup based for me he played a very uh, he's please go into care i'm sorry he has kansas city this week and they've really struggled in the in terms of pass defense lately uh just kind of looking at uh passing yards per game in the league and they're number 28th allowing almost 300 yards through the air per game and Jay Cutler had a pretty decent game, actually, from a fantasy standpoint against Oakland this week. He was 28 for 43, 281 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, so 
I mean, is he someone that you look to pick up if you're a Cam Newton owner or something like that? I mean, I did actually never thought I'd see myself do this, but I put a bid down on Jay Cutler of $11 personally uh, because I, it's a 16-team league where Cam Newton was my only quarterback. Yeah, so you had to actually, from a football standpoint, uh, like where Chicago came from on the offense this week. So they spread around the ball. Um, kind of judiciously Martellus Bennett had 13 targets Eddie Royal 10 Marcus Wilson 9 so their top three wideouts were actually targeted a fair amount of times Matt Forte himself also had four catches on as many targets which was sprinkled in with 25 carries so they actually had really good balance Mm -hmm. with the offense uh and then Cutler's first week back which you know bodes well for the future it gives me a good feeling about him at least from a fantasy standpoint um and he'd actually even though he had this suffered a hamstring injury you know two weeks ago he seemed somewhat deft he didn't seem like totally limited out there like you know Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers was in the playoffs last year yep so yeah when it comes to his matchup though you know it's kind of juicy and it's something that you should be uh keen in on so Casey's D actually ranks last in TD passes allowed so far with 11 okay there we go um Aaron, facing Aaron Rodgers is never going to help your case though. yeah well yeah Casey's also faced Peyton Manning Andy Dalton and the poo-poo platter of Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer so far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are, you know, three at least formidable offenses, uh, you know, so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also KC, 28th in the NFL, conceding 296, rather, passing yards per game. Mm-hmm. And they're in the bottom 25% of the league, giving up 8.2 yards per attempt. Okay, yeah. So, all, like, all very all, good stats to look at. All the all these trends, yeah, all these trends are not, um, you know, in Casey's favor. So, and it's four weeks now. We have a reasonable sample yes, size. Exactly. So, all signs are pointing to Cutler actually having a decent week here, and mm-hmm. the fact that he's sparsely loaned. I, I know you put down four to six dollars here. I might actually put it up a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Just because the matchup and the yield, the potential yield, uh, you know, looks friendly. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe maybe the four to six dollar bid was me thinking like, oh, do you need to replace your backup quarterback? Maybe you don't need a starter. But if you need a starter, a double digit bid is is yeah. absolutely reasonable. Just like I did, I didn't go too much over double dig- digits with eleven. But I, I, I'm hoping that's going to be enough for me to sure. to, to win him back because uh, some of the other quarterbacks that are going to be on buys outside of Cam Newton, not necessarily the greatest, are ones that are starting quarterbacks. So I'm hoping to not have a lot of competition there. And and another thing is uh, Jay Cutler did all this without Elshon Jeffrey last week. Yep. Jeffrey, that's absolutely a situation worth monitoring on the injury report moving forward. But if he gets his top receiver back, uh, that could that could very well mean excellent things for Cutler and even without Jeffrey I think 200 yards and two touchdowns is a perfectly reasonable estimate and that's really more than you can expect from your one week by week replacement oh yeah indeed right there and uh well in addition to Cutler there uh we also like Blake Bortles this week who uh uh, very similar availability to Cutler, someone else to possibly look at he actually wasn't available in um in in our 16 team office league because uh we have a Jack Yes, we yes. Rotowire zone Nick Whalen, aka Team Mark Brunel, uh, is of course owning Blake Bortles at this time. Yep. So, uh, so unfortunately, couldn't get him there. But he's another formidable replacement. Maybe if someone's been hanging on to Cutler, this is another very matchup-based recommendation. He does have a road matchup, but uh, he's going against Tampa Bay, and you know they've given up their fair share of points, especially in, in the most recent week. There, uh, Blake Bortles, a, a possible option for you at least. So when you were, you know, checking out uh, 
the defensive yards given up per game right before this podcast. Mm-hmm. I I mentioned like, oh, there's a surprising name on there, and actually one of those is Tampa Bay. Their de- pass defense has actually fared pretty well. They're ac- they've actually given up the second least passing yards per game so far. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the coin, though, they've given up eight touchdown passes, which is fifth most in the league, yeah. and which is tied with Oakland. So they're they're actually you know not giving up a heck of a lot of passing yards, but they are when it counts, you know, not not holding them out of the end zone so absolutely one thing that you need to consider when looking at these stats especially early on in the season is that Tampa Bay has been significantly behind in most of their games when that happens they're I mean they're going against teams that are going to try to run the ball just to burn the clock yeah Yeah. just just to finish up the game and get out of there so that could be partially responsible for the solid number in that area but I actually like uh, Blake Bortles to actually pass a lot in this game because so far he's ranked uh, let's see here. Fourth most in pass attempts with 156, which is 39 per game. That's mm-hmm. a significant number, and I think they're going to keep it up because yeah. their running game has been next to non-existent at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure how much they want to. I mean, they've relied on T.J. Eldon very heavily so far, but I mean, Bortles been pretty consistent. He almost passed 300 yards last week, only one touchdown, but then before that, two straight weeks of uh, 273, 242, and two touchdowns in each. Mm-hmm. And he also adds that rushing dimension. So last week he ran for 31 yards. He could very well get you 250 through the air, yeah. 25, 35 on the ground, and some somewhere two touchdowns mixed in there. So the upside there mixed with the matchup that, you know, it might be a tighter game, so maybe they'll have to pass a little bit more and really yeah. test that Tampa Bay defense. I think the upside is definitely there for Blake yeah, Bortles. Yeah, just note this, though. He... It's going to be tough for him to get to that 300-yard threshold if you are um, perhaps playing in, on DraftKings, for example, because he only averages 6.4, eh, 6.4 yards per attempt. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Which is 28th in the league. When setting the daily lineups, and we recommend these based on matchup, but they could also be tournament flyers. But again, just a word of caution if you're using these. I like Cutler a little bit more than Bortles this week. That's kind of how we ordered them. Yes. All right. So let's move on to running backs where there's been a few big name candidates. Some of these guys we've mentioned to in the past or we've alluded to in the past, and we might just uh, kind of rehash a little bit here. And I'm going to start with Duke Johnson. He was taken in quite a few drafts this year, but based on slow early season production, a lot of people jumped the gun and dropped him and he's got some decent availability right now. He's only owned in 31% of Yahoo leagues about 50% of ESPN leagues. So I I think we took the ESPN numbers a little bit later. So a lot of people have had a chance to jump on this already, but he had a pretty big game week for now. Isaiah Cruel got more carries. He only carried the ball eight times for 31 yards, but as expected kind of early in the season, Duke Johnson has been a major factor in the passing game. And that really came out in week four, where he was targeted, basically tied for a team high with 10 targets, caught nine of those passes for 85 yards and a touchdown. You'd think he's a wide receiver if you didn't see any uh, <laughs> any position designation there, but that, I mean that obviously bodes well in PPR leagues. It's gonna ha- the Browns are gonna head to Baltimore Week Five, uh, a division opponent there, and the defense has been a little bit subpar compared to what we're used to here. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on on Duke Johnson this week? Do you think this trend? I mean, I covered the Browns, and it seems like this trend of him eventually surpassing Crowell and touches will continue. Maybe not next week, but towards the rest of the season. I like Duke Johnson as a rest of season option, not just this week. Yeah, definitely rest of season. The this uh, this matchup this week is not you know that friendly with uh, Baltimore on tap. Uh, they actually, as let's see here, they're receiving against numbers to running backs is actually not looking that great. It is. Uh, 19 
19 receptions for 118 yards and no touchdowns on 25 targets. So I and guess that's two run, running backs, two right? running. Yep. So running backs have hauled in, you know, actually a fair percentage over 75% of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, not for that much yardage and no touchdowns. So if you're banking on him as a receiving threat this week, that might not, you know, come to fruition, but they have shown a, you know, penchant for using him with seven and 10 targets in the last two games. So, you know, if he does get up to that, mark then you know in ppr formats he could easily get you know or add five points you know if it's a full ppr yeah i i like that very much so i think ppr he needs to be owned everywhere no matter yeah. what even if it's a 10 team league he's uh more than formidable option to have on your bench unless of course the bench is incredibly shallow and i mentioned the isaiah crowell comparison i i, I didn't relay the numbers here crowell had 12 carries for 63 yards so clearly out- outperforming him on the ground although he was aided by a 32-yard run that that yards per carry average looks not nearly as great without that. And Crowell even involved a little bit in the passing game, targeted three times, caught them all for 62 yards. So when it's all said and done, are you agreeing me with, with me on the trends here? I wrote down 25 to $30 if someone dropped him or if he's available as far as a fab bid. I think he's more than... Uh, He's a perfect candidate to spend a quarter to a third of your budget on because I like him rest of season, and it's not just a one-week option. A lot of these guys you've discussed in the past, Carlos Williams, even even Matt Jones maybe, some of these guys were, were short-term fixes, but Duke Johnson could actually help you rest of season, right? So let's say you burned um, you know, 40 of your $100 already. Are you still only putting down you know, 25 to 30% of that, say $60 that's remaining? So it's only a $15 bid. Mm-hmm. minimum at that point or are you still like putting p- potentially half of your money on the line mm-hmm. you have to decide how much you really need him because if yeah. you spent forty dollars on a carlos williams or a matt jones earlier in the year yeah. and it was because you had todd Gurley or arian foster on your bench yep. um you can afford to try a lesser bid on duke johnson but if you spent that amount of money on those guys because you punted running backs in your draft and that position's absolutely weak then you absolutely have to consider continuing to shell out waiver wire money. I know sure. I know it's only week five here coming up, but uh, these breakout candidates are going to be less and less as the season wears on, exactly. and it's very hard to get these guys. And you know some of these rookies or, or other players that are coming off the designated to return list, at that point it might be too late for them to help you if, you, if you're already sitting at uh, two and six or something like that and really need to uh, right. to come back there. So I think you know, you got to get rid of, whatever ill effects have happened with the backs there and and really go out and get this guy if he's available so let's say you're in a 14 team non-ppr a 14 team non-ppr man that really throws it down there i'd still put 22 dollars on him yeah i'm thinking that's so you're safely like putting you know 20 to 25 bucks in the line if you you Mm -hmm. know really need him your running back situation is looking you know dire because if you don't somebody else will yeah you know, right. you just got to keep that in mind. So a lot of these bids are, ga- are gauging how much you really need a player like that. Okay. Uh, another player in a similar boat that warrants possibly a similar bid. We'll get to that in a moment. That's Ronnie Hillman of the Denver Broncos. He's only owned in 35% of Yahoo and 47% of ESPN leagues. So if you're in an ESPN league, it's a coin toss. If you're in a Yahoo league, you have a pretty good chance of getting getting him if you go ahead and just take a look here. He's going to Oakland in week five and had a pretty big game uh, week four here. Uh, 11 carries for 103 yards and one touchdown, just one catch for five yards. Now compare that to C.J. Anderson, 11 carries, 43 yards, uh, one catch on one target for 27 yards. It looks like Hillman clearly outperformed this. And uh, I saw Gary Kubiak quote last night when I was putting this together and uh, basically said that Hillman, quote, has earned the right to get more carries. 
And that's always encouraging when you see that. Now, I'm in a 10-team league where someone pulled the trigger and dropped C.J. Anderson already, and that is uh, inexplicable to me. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that that is, is, is even an option just yet. But at the same time, I can see his reasoning based on the first four weeks. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't have any kind of preconceived notion of say, say your team was auto drafted and you ended up with C.J. Anderson and you saw his production, I, mm-hmm. I could very much see where they're coming from. I'm still banking on the upside rest of the season, but based on this news, do you think it's going to become more of an even split moving forward? Well, yeah, I do. But I mean, look at it. Look at a uh, week four performance. He had a 72 yard touchdown run, which is the basis for most of his production on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take that 72 yard run out of it Hillman's actually only averaged 3.1 yards per carry versus CJ Anderson's 2.7 so he's not vastly outperforming him so far so yes they may decide to give him more carries um if Kubiak oh yeah actually follows up on his word you know that he deserves to uh, have more carries on the other side of the coin like um Hillman is you know owned in 35 percent of Yahoo and 47 percent of ESPN whereas you know, Anderson's universally owned. I think those should uh, start to come together. Like maybe Anderson gets dropped in those periphery, like 14 and 16 team leagues, um, you know, but it's still universally owned in 10 and 12 because you've got to keep him, you know, like you said. Yeah. But I think then, you'd be more likely to drop him if you're in like one of those 18 leagues or something like that yeah. where, you, where you have stacked options on the waiver wire and, and can replace a C.J. Anderson easily. In, the, in anything 10, 12 or greater, I think you at least have to wait it out a couple more. Right weeks. on. Yeah, because look at everyone wanted to drop Jeremy Hill, and then and then that huge game he had last week. So uh, a lot of it is uh, finding the right balance of of patience and uh, I guess urgency when it comes to fantasy. Yeah, and I'm sorry I screwed that up. I meant the uh, more shallow leagues that you would dr- drop Anderson, not the deeper ones. Yeah, exactly. Right on. So if you're on an FX show and and are in an 18 league, you know maybe think about it. But I, I wouldn't yet under any other circumstances. And we've got a few kind of deep. Uh, I don't know, Kevin Payne, who writes our waiver wire column, likes to call them Hail Mary options. Uh, well, some people call, I see NFL, we'll call them deep dives or whatever you want to call them. Maybe we'll come up with our own uh, name. Tweet, tweet us some suggestions. We're always open to that there. But anyway, uh, if you're in a very deep league and are looking to get a replacement here, whether it's for a bye week or for um, just that not have dead weight on your bench because someone's clearly not cutting it, there's a couple guys. Now, Christine Michael, we talked about in the past when Dallas acquired him. Uh, still only owned in 9% of Yahoo and 7% of ESPN leagues. But the Christine Michael thing, that's based on Lance Dunbar suffering a knee injury, and he's pretty much going to be done for the year now. And uh, I don't know if this is better for Christine Michael's prospects or even better for Joseph Randall owners, but you almost have to give Christine Michael a look at a $1 bid. If you're in a 16-team league, he should probably be owned, right? Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, so Lance Dunbar is, like you said, likely out for the season. The diagnosis is a likely torn ACL and a partially torn MCL and that's almost certainly going to wipe out a season and you know potentially put the start of next season in jeopardy Mm -hmm. but anyway when you come back to the Dallas running back picture um you know Joseph Randall and uh Darren McFadden are actually you know viable pass catching backs Mm -hmm. uh so that's why I'm not sure that Christine Michael can actually factor into that Mm -hmm. um so he's only had one catch as a pro in two plus seasons with and in four seasons at Texas A&M, he actually had 44 catches for 323 yards and a touchdown. So he did show some ability to do it in college, but he has yet to do it as a pro. So I think they would rely on you know the options that they know are you know viable in uh, McFadden and uh, Randall. 
So at that point, yeah, maybe you throw it on a $1 bid so you have him as a handcuff for one of those two guys going forward. But, you know, he's he's not going to be, you know, a consistent threat or even... Even you know, a solid low on flex, I'm not really confident yeah. in that just yet. But the potential is there, and I think in those deeper formats, it, it's worth taking a look, I would say. Yeah, as Mike Doria would say, you know, throw a dart, I guess, yep. if you're in those deeper formats. Throw a dart or scratch a lottery ticket there. <laughs> Gotta love the Doriaisms there. All right. Well, uh, one more dart I guess you could throw here. Now, this might be in a much, much deeper dart even than someone like Christine Michael, but did notice a few reports of Ahmad Bradshaw planning to meet with the Colts for a physical. Now, this is mostly based on Frank Gore and his terribleness so far. Multiple <laughs> costly red zone fumbles, and now day-to-day with a foot issue. Josh Robinson, his backup, Hasn't been a whole lot better. Just 14 total carries through four games. He also fumbled week four against the Jaguars. This is a very short week. So they're they're going to turn around and they play the Texans on Thursday night. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. that whatever the Colts do do with their running back situation, whether it's sign Bradshaw if he clears or grab someone from the practice squad or even, even former Colts backup, I think Boom Heron signed elsewhere this morning. So... I just I don't know what exactly is going on there, but so so Frank Gore has a foot injury. He didn't practice or he didn't take part in uh, the walkthrough on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gore and Rob, Josh Robinson together have combined for three fumbles in four games. All of them lost. So the you know things are trending toward them actually adding somebody to that backfield mix. And especially if Gore doesn't look like he's approaching you know active status on Thursday or mm-hmm. you know just. They're not feeling confident in guys like Tyler Varga and Zerlon Tipton at the bottom of the running back pecking order. Um, I could see them bringing in a guy that's familiar to them at the very least. Um, so Bradshaw's season last year ended due to a fractured fibula. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's um, all clear. Like he was okay. he was cleared of all that uh, mm-hmm. within the last month, month see, and a half, something I, I like that. I remember him having some maybe neck issues in the past. I could I could be mistaken yeah. there. That's what ended his time uh, with the Giants, I, I believe. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. well, m- most recent two years with the Colts than before that with the Giants. Yes. And at the very least, the upside here comes from the fact that he knows the system so it shouldn't take him well not necessarily the same system exact same as it was but it shouldn't take him immensely long or long to figure this out he's familiar with the organization at least and that's what i should say so yeah and he was he was really a touchdown vulture too when he was uh in indy so that that's something to keep in mind too if you're say in a touchdown league yeah and i mean also a pass catching threat out of the backfield he caught in 2014, in just 10 games, caught 38 passes for 300 yards, six touchdowns yep. through the air. So a receiving threat. Now, does he bring that same spark to him two years later at 29 years old? That remains to be seen. But if you're in deep need for a running back in a very deep league, uh, Rotowire subscriber or not, go ahead and put him on your watch list to see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not maybe not so much production this week. I wouldn't go more than a dollar on him this week. But I'd watch that situation heading into next week because I For think sure. it, might, it might be worth taking a look at. Yeah. And uh, before we move on here, uh, I just want to say that this morning news broke uh, about Carlos Williams uh, suffer. He's dealing with a concussion, so we know he'll have to go through the league's mandatory protocol there to uh, to get back and go. Now, LaShawn McCoy from the Bills also kind of dealing with his hamstring injury, and they seem to be pretty uh doubtful or not not doubtful but pretty hesitant to bring him back until he's he's at full strength exactly he's week to week they're not going to bring him back until he's Mm -hmm. fully healthy so say you're watching 
the waiver wire or her inactives prior to Sunday, you find out that both LaShawn McCoy and Carlos Williams are ruled out. Do you throw a buck down on Anthony, a.k.a. Booby Dixon or Sierra Wood or anything like that? Or are, are you looking elsewhere for, for a replacement option? I mean, yeah, it, pro- it probably is more more so contingent upon how deep your league is and anything. But if you're looking specifically in the Buffalo backfield, you go through go for Booby Dixon. Yeah, and I know I, I want to just bring forward a point our, our our own Mario Puig brought up in the office earlier today. He said, "Do you really want to spend a bid on Booby Dixon because it's it's not really that hard in fantasy to find a running back that's going to get you four points." Yeah, and and I'm not too optimistic that that Dixon or Wood or whoever does it gets a whole lot more than that in the scoring option I mean heck they could put Percy Harvin in the backfield if they had to yeah we're just dropping rotor wire names today aren't we Nick yeah. Whale and Mike Doria Mario yeah. Puig yeah all of us guys uh if you listen to the podcast you're definitely familiar and uh if not <laughs> it's worth checking out here but with that, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 5, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1.2 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for a free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Moving on to the second part of our program here, Eric and I are going to discuss uh, some wide receivers here to look at, and there's actually quite a few that popped up this week, but there's a handful of names that are worth uh, maybe rehashing and checking on availability. We're not going to talk about them too much just because uh, we kind of went in depth on them in the past, but I guess, Eric, do you want to run down a couple of those names here for us, and, uh, and, and I guess, I don't know if you want to rank them or have anything to add here after the previous uh, oh, weeks yeah. there. So for sure, we've talked about Kamar Aiken uh, before in Baltimore. He actually is probably in line for a lot of targets now with Steve Smith potentially sitting out with fractured, what is it, uh, just... I believe he's got something... I mean, Steve Smith suffered the injury a while ago. We've got an out designation on him. It appears that Steve Smith is dealing with small fractures in his back, which is not good for anyone, let alone a 36-year-old in the National Football League. I think it's comparable to what uh, Tony Romo dealt with a few years back. Mm -hmm. So small micro-fractures, according to Harbaugh. Yeah, indeed. So that is probably going to keep him out for a few weeks here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kamara Aiken's only owned in 2% of Yahoo and 1% of ESPN leagues. He's coming off a five-catch 77-yard and one TD performance on seven targets against Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, he's somebody to keep an eye on, especially with the potential increased workload. Uh, we're also knowing that situation. Crockett Gilmore is dealing with an injury uh, mm-hmm. at a tight end there. So, you know, there might be a lot of volume for uh, him going forward. And also, Leonard Hankerson, Atlanta. 20% on Yahoo and 40% ownership on ESPN so far. He's established himself as a clear-cut number two wide receiver to Julio Jones, and he's coming off a six-catch, 103-yard performance with one touchdown against Houston. So those are two guys that you should probably um, put at the top of your list right now when you're looking at fab bidding. Yeah, at this point in the season, you have to ignore names and start to turn to production. And if you're a Roddy White owner, you have to drop him for Hankerson at this point, right? I yeah. Mean, the, the, the if Hankerson's the, available. <laughs> if Hankerson's available, if you didn't uh, if you didn't pull the trigger there quick enough or yeah. quick enough there. So I would say that, yeah, go ahead. If you're a Roddy White owner, go ahead and drop Hankerson. Uh, uh, just on the topic of drops, we were talking about a lot of receivers this year. I can tell you personally, I've dropped Corey Brown from the Panthers. I've dropped Philip Dorsett this morning. 
I actually dropped Brandon Coleman in one league. I saw he only had one target, I think, this past week. So that's uh, – I mean, any, have you dropped any players? Because like, we, we always recommend ads, but a lot of decisions are tough, and we got to go to drops. Philip Dorsett is the main guy for at least among wide receivers. I've already gotten rid of D'Angelo Williams, but I think that's logical. Um, mm-hmm. And then other than that, like most of the guys I've – felt like it's worth to keep around that like the situation isn't totally dire like you know Roddy White becoming a fantasy non-entity in Atlanta so um, I've seen a lot of people maybe dropping Torrey Smith just because of yeah. how poorly Kaepernick's played I think depending on your <laughs> league that's that's a tough call to make but depending on your league you can make a case for that go ahead and drop the Dolphins defense on a bye week this week there's no need for them anymore especially with yeah. how they've played and and a new coaching shakeup that's about to happen here so yeah exactly yeah I just wanted to throw a few drop names out there because you know when you when you add one of these guys you got to drop somebody and and there's plenty of candidates out there I mean one guy that I'm keeping uh out the keeping an eye on at least production wise is Terrence Williams if he continues to not do much with Brandon Whedon I'm probably going to jettison him for somebody else mm-hmm. I mean and, he, that, and that's in that a late, that's yeah in a shallow league right yes exactly yeah, he did have that late touchdown but that game would have been pretty disastrous without that for him from a fantasy standpoint exactly can you go ahead and drop Alfred Blue right now with Foster back um well, yeah, I think with Chris, deep, Pol- I yeah. think Chris Polk has actually outperformed him anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, probably, I would go that route. Probably can drop Alfred Blue there. Uh, I don't know if you want to drop Trey Mason yet, but you're going to be getting there. Benny Cunningham can probably be cut loose. Oh, yeah, early back. Cunningham, so Cunningham sure. gone. Mason's going to be on your chopping block if you need to make and a tough call. One, one more guy, if uh, Andre Ellington is able to return in Arizona this week, I think you can safely get rid of David Johnson in the shallower formats. You should, though, if you're in a 12-team league or deeper, yeah. keep him. I'm in a 12-teamer with David Johnson, and I'm keeping him just because it's a keeper league. Yeah, and I want to I want to wait that out a little bit and longer. Just to also, see what we can get. like most PPR leagues too, you should probably keep him around just yeah. for that. Yeah. All right, so yeah, those are some names out there to drop. Uh, of course, we'll take your ad drop questions on Twitter if you have them, and um, yep, yeah, anything like that. But let's get on to the receiver portion here. Uh, one guy we haven't mentioned, he seems to get brought up in fantasy circles year after year. Uh, a lot of the biggest knock on this guy is a seemingly a little bit of inconsistency because he'll have a huge game and then he'll go quiet but that guy is Tavon Austin of the St. Louis Rams he is owned only in 17% of Yahoo excuse me and 11% of ESPN leagues will head to Lambeau Field and face the Green Bay Packers week five had a pretty solid outing week four six catches team high seven targets 96 yards scored twice and the thing that stood out to me about that game is it wasn't even pass heavy uh the Rams ran the ball 26 times as opposed to 24 passes Runs. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. 26, 26 oh, sorry, runs, passes. 24 passes. Yes, there we go. Sorry to confuse anyone out there <laughs> listening there. But uh, only 24 passes, and Austin got seven of those targets. So he's not maybe just a deep threat and screen guy anymore. He might be getting a bigger role in the passing game You know, as, as he gets more experienced in the league. And, of course, for those return yardage leagues, uh, he's also a factor. He's probably owned there already, but, you know, he brings you even more value in those type of formats. Is he... Uh, one of the top ads this week? Uh, yeah, he's up there. I, I would probably go with the next guy, Ted Ginn, but we'll get to him soon enough. When mm-hmm. it comes to Austin, though, uh, his week four performance uh, outpaced like his entire combined output prior to that. In the first three games, he had eight catches for 42 yards on 13 targets. So that's just something to keep in mind. He is a huge hit or miss option. But he does have the return um, aspect to his game. He's actually returned one TD as a punt returner in each of his three seasons so far. And he's averaged 8.2 yards per carry as a pro with four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he does have that 
varied game where he can score, you know, almost any way. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, third NFL season. A lot of people say the third year is really the breakout year yeah. for wide receivers. Now that started to kind of tra- taper off a little bit lately with all the rookie receivers that have been coming out and producing right away. But yeah. maybe he still fits that category. I mean, not a big body, so maybe not a ton of red zone targets. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find targets from last week. He got... He got one run in the red zone here, uh, and actually three tar- or three targets on the season here. Uh, as far as last week, two of those targets were in the red zone, uh, and he only has one uh, run in the red zone over the, over the course of the season. So also possibly rushing yards too. So not the stereotypical red zone receiver, but at least he's getting a couple looks there. And I, I just there seems to be some upside here. So yeah, two things I really like: he has four touchdowns in four games. So mm-hmm. he's you know averaging a touchdown a game. That's pretty impressive. And Todd Gurley is back in that full strength now, seemingly. Mm-hmm. So that might open up the passing game for all the receivers. So far, you know, prior to, you know, week four, the passing game had been really, um, I guess the best way to put it is socialist. They, they would just spread the wealth with all the mm-hmm. wideouts. But, you know, perhaps like a big th- play threat like Tavon Austin can actually take advantage of Gurley, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking all the attention of the front seven. Yeah, before we didn't know if it was going to be Brian Quick or Kenny Britt or Stedman Bailey or any of those guys, but maybe Austin's starting to emerge here a little bit. I wrote yeah. down my initial instinct for Fab Bid was to write down 18 to $22 here. The one league that I actually did bid on him, I only threw a $12 bid on him just because I didn't plan on him starting. He's just kind of replacing one of my bench options. Yeah. always like to keep the roster fresh and not carry any dead weight there. Uh, are you in accordance with that bid? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's say you have Brandon Marshall. The Jets are you know off this week, so if you – if say your flex position is open because you have to bump up, you know, your wide receiver to a starting wide out spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a great guy to add if you're in a, you know, 12 team league. Mm-hmm. And I always like to work in little daily comments once in a while. Yeah. I wouldn't use Tavon Austin in any kind of cash game just because of the risk associated, but I think Tavon Austin's going to have a pretty cheap price still and he's worth a flyer in a lot of tournaments. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. So let's move on to the next guy uh, that you seem to be pretty high on. That is Ted Ginn of Carolina. Now, just a quick warning, Panthers are on a bye week this week, so uh, he's not going to be able to be an immediate plug-and-play for you here, but he's got quite a bit of availability. He's only owned in 33% of Yahoo leagues, 32% of ESPN formats, so there's a good chance he's still out there in your league. And he had two catches for three targets, uh, 18 yards only, but two touchdowns in, in that game uh, against Tampa Bay. We mentioned the Tampa Bay defense giving up a lot of touchdowns through the air there. And mm-hmm. uh, Ted Ginn, uh, used him in one daily lineup here. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough uh, for me, but he's... Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's an eye-opening performance here. Now, if you don't need to start a receiver immediately this week and are more in the clear dead weight on your bench mode, do you take and bid on Ginn over someone like Austin? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, They're if, almost if you equivalent need, in my eyes. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, if you need the you know immediate impact to your team, for sure pick up Austin. And, you know, as you go down your waiver priority, then that then you put Ginn in at that point. Mm-hmm. So, but so let's look at Ginn's production before this past week because, you know, he took both of his touches to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, he actually racked up at least 40 yards receiving in each of the first three games while averaging 18.8 yards per catch. Uh, he, he's the big play threat in uh, – <clears throat> he's a big play threat in uh, Carolina and – Part return yards too. Can't that, ignore those. Uh, exactly. Not so many in the last two weeks. Forty six and forty four in the first two weeks. So 
There's yeah. always, even if your league doesn't give you yards, there's always a chance he can run one back for six for you. The touches only help his case. So the so the low number of targets, too, can be explained by Cam Newton actually only throwing 22 passes, which he's only actually done seven times in 65 career games before mm-hmm. um, this past Sunday. So that's going to bump up, which in turn should bump up Ginn's targets from week to week. So I'm not... I'm not too worried about his, you know, targets. That's that's really the low point. That's the floor. Like you're going to get, you know, six, seven targets per game going forward. Yep. And if you drafted Corey, aka Philly Brown, in any of your leagues, I think at this point is it's time to make the switch. Just as with the White Hankerson we discussed earlier, you got to part ways with Brown, pick up again. Just it's going to help you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So a couple other receivers we want to run to. Uh, Alan Hearns of the Jaguars has been. surprisingly good production we always think of Allen Robinson the other Allen there having uh, the bigger games there but Allen Hearns has been remarkably consistent he's still only owned in 19% of Yahoo and 12% of ESPN leagues unfortunately I checked my 12 teamers and he wasn't there for me yet but he would have been up there in terms of fab bidding there now again uh, as we mentioned with Bortles he goes to Tampa Bay this week and week four I mean it was really an eye-opener 15 targets ended up catching 11 balls for 116 yards and a touchdown against Indianapolis there uh, always in fantasy got to follow the targets even if someone's getting double digit targets consistently their production will eventually come around yeah and uh... I mean, if we're looking at, you know, the three wideouts we're already talking about and Tavon Austin, Ted Ginn, and Alan Hearns, I'm actually probably putting Alan Hearns at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because he's, uh, you know... Consistency. Well, no, yes. He had 15 of his 30 targets on the season week four, so he's trending up. He has Alan Robinson working across from him, who's getting all the attention from the top opposing top corner. Um so and his floor so far has been four targets and 60 yards he's reached the end zone in back-to-back weeks weeks he had uh the jags red zone breakdown 13 total targets four of them have gone to robinson four to clay harbor three to hearns and one apiece to mercedes lewis and rashagin green so he's getting a lot of looks down in the important aspects of the game as well Mm-hmm. And you look at his game log, he's had at least 10 fantasy points. If it's a, if it's a PPR league, yeah. he's had at least 10 fantasy points in every week. And even if it's not a PPR league, he's had at least six every week, 60 yards every single week there. So I think there are a lot worse options you can look to outside of Hearns. I wasn't really big on him prior to the season start. I thought Marquise Lee would kind of come back and, and be a consistent target. Of course, he's dealt with his fair share of adversity this season. Yep. So Alan Hearns is looking like the number two receiver there. And... Uh, I mean, who knows if you're looking for a real deep flyer in a tournament uh, on DraftKings, maybe you want to throw a Bortles Hearns lineup together uh, worth a dollar scratch off ticket, I guess you could say. And uh, I mean, use the money elsewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Save that money elsewhere. Yeah. Go ahead and get yourself some Julio and Odell and, and, (laughs) uh, and, and bank on it after that. But really like an Alan Hearns this week, wrote down a 15, $20 bid, 21 if you really need him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. All right there. So. I guess we're going to head back down to some of the deeper flyers, I guess, uh, in the wide receiver group. These guys are probably more leaning towards deep formats. One guy I wanted to highlight is Dwayne Harris of the Giants. Now, again, we kind of go back to the Victor Cruz injury, which uh, has caused us to recommend Ruben Randall on this podcast before. And I think Ruben Randall's a perfectly viable option, but so is Dwayne Harris. And if uh, if Randall's not available, which he probably isn't by now, Dwayne Harris most likely will be owned in 1% of Yahoo, 0.2% of ESPN leagues. He's got a matchup against San Francisco this week who... You, 
maybe a better than expected pass defense so far. Again, I don't have the stats. I'm just kind of uh, going with the gut or the uh, the eyeball test there. But Dwayne Harris had a pretty big week, uh, week four. Five catches on six targets, 51 yards, and a touchdown. And, I mean, Eli Manning threw 35 times, even though he didn't have to. And you compare that to Reuben Randall, as many targets, six targets. Um, and Reuben Randall only caught three catches for 31 yards. But he also found the end zone in that game. So both players getting uh, an end zone. Say you need a Victor Cruz replacement here. Uh, I think I still lean towards Randall just because of the experience. But in a deep league and you need five points out of a receiver this week because one's on a bye, I think you can call Dwayne Harris's name. Yeah. So Randall is actually ranked uh, third on the Giants in target so far. Odell Beckham is obviously the clear leader with 41. Then you go down to Larry Donnell with 23 and Ruben Randall at 20. And then you'll fall back to Harris at six. So, yeah, he got five of his six uh, targets uh, here in week four. If you're in a if you're in a shallower format, you lean toward Randall. If he's not available, though, uh, go for Harris, I guess, if you really need to. Um, mm-hmm. So far, Randall is owned in 39% of Yahoo and 37% of ESPN. So he's, you know, out there in most places. Mm-hmm. And some of that's name recognition. But regardless, yeah. uh, I, I would be comfortable throwing a single-digit bid on Harris. Again, uh, only a plug-and-play option if you own... I don't know, say say Des Bryant and uh, other injured receivers, and maybe you have a couple guys on by this week. Then right. then start him if you have to. I, I'm not sure he's not the safest start, but if you're in a 16 teamer with three wide receivers and you need a third one for bye weeks, I think he could be called upon here. Yeah, if you have Jarvis Landry and Brandon Marshall, for example, you know you're probably trying to get this guy. Yeah, uh, another uh, guy that isn't going to be able to help you this week, but you're banking on long-term upside here, uh, Stephon Diggs of Minnesota, the former Maryland product, pretty much universally available everywhere. Uh, That's kind of redundant, I guess, now that I think about it. But universally available, Stephon Diggs, fifth-round draft pick. uh, Didn't have any targets at all weeks one through three, but then he burst onto the scene week four with a team-high 10 targets. Finished that game with six catches for 87 yards. Now, this is against the Denver Bronco defense where he actually drew a lot of Aqib Tlaib, who Mm -hmm. is regarded as one of the better cover corners in the league and uh, uh, got by him a couple times with some footwork, a little bit of fancy footwork there. So this is a a very speculative bid because we only saw it once. He's not helping you right away. He's got a bye week. Again, probably a single-digit bid, but if you're in a league where they're just sharks and you need to get ahead of the game here, I think Stephon Diggs could fill was a perfect candidate to occupy a spot at the end of your bench uh, with some long-term upside. Of course, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. Charles Johnson's been very underwhelming. Mike Wallace, in theory, should be the top target. And yep. Adrian Peterson's going to be the focal point of that offense. But if they get into a game where they need to pass a whole lot, I think Diggs will get his fair share of looks. Yeah, so this week four usage, I think, was you know the result of Charles Johnson that Charles Johnson actually not playing because of rib injury mm-hmm. and Jarius Wright actually came into the game with a hand injury he was active but only played one snap yeah. so okay. uh that's why Stefan Diggs and oh who's the other guy um Thielen Adam Thielen were used uh mm-hmm. you know more than expected in week four yep. um you know it did look good that he went past Tlaib a few times and this week four or week five bye will with the week five by, we'll actually find out how the pecking order pans out in week six. I mean, before that point, I don't know if we can fully expect Diggs to actually repeat this performance mm-hmm. until he goes out in the field and is actually getting a lot of targets once again. Yeah. But this offense centers around Adrian Peterson, so that 
that doesn't like bode well for any of the um, other wideouts because it's so centric around one player. Yeah, the offense centers around AP, but sooner or later they're going to get into games where they're going to need Teddy yeah. Bridgewater to come from behind. And, and if those games are the case, I think Diggs has a good shot. The only reason I like to recommend him this week before the buy is because you can get a $0 bid and you might be able to get away with it. Yeah. If he has another big game week six, all of a sudden heading into week seven, you're going to have to up that and actually spend maybe 5 to 10% of your waiver budget on him if he has another good game. So you're right. It's a spec bid in deep leagues. Mm -hmm. Hail Mary throw, whatever you want to call it. We need to think of a name for those. But uh, (laughs) last one we want to talk about wide receivers, and we've mentioned this name on the podcast a few times. Uh, I know we like to talk Packers, but uh, Ty Montgomery actually (laughs) needs to be considered. And and this isn't just because we're high on the Packers, and and, and we're going to tell you why here. He did have six targets tied for second on the team in this most recent week. Only three catches for 15 yards. So, you got some of you out there are wondering, like heading into the Week Five home matchup against St. Louis, only had three catches for 15 yards. Why are we recommending him? Eric, can you elaborate on that a little bit for me? So, I here's what I like most about Ty Montgomery. He has, only has 12 targets on the season, but three of those have actually occurred in the red zone. Mm-hmm. So when Rodgers actually gets down to that uh, area. He, he seems to trust Ty Montgomery for whatever reason. It, mm-hmm. it may be because a lot of the attention is going toward Randall Cobb and now Richard Rodgers, for example, mm-hmm. and maybe even you know James Starks a little bit as a pass catching back. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. And uh, as he gains more and more trust from Aaron Rodgers, you know, I think you can see this actually continuing as long as you know Devonte adams is actually out of the lineup yes it is a little bit dependent on Devonte adams and Devonte adams they've been back and forth high ankle sprain no high ankle sprain uh, but either way they're playing it conservatively seemingly and, and they should be because they have enough depth behind him and he what only played one play uh a week ago and, oh it was it was three, three plays yeah, yeah three <laughs> plays or a couple plays his first target kind of mm-hmm. tweaked the ankle again and had to come out of the game yep. and wow what i really like out of montgomery uh also factor in the return game that should be the theme of the wide receivers today a lot of returners making an impact here good call but, but on top of that for time montgomery they ran that pick play to randall cobb three times it was almost the same uh, same play in in the red zone every single time mm-hmm. when cobb had his three touchdown game two weeks ago What's going to happen when defense is keying on Cobb on that? They're going to watch film, and they're going to see that. They're going to key in on Cobb. Montgomery might be open, and he mm-hmm. could be open coming across uh, the middle in like a slant-type route uh, as long as he doesn't get picked too hard by the defensive back. There's red zone looks for him available. And I totally forgot about James Jones. He's the red zone vulture of all vultures in that arena. So you always got to keep that in mind if you know you roster Montgomery that James Jones might actually scoop all those up, but yeah. nonetheless, he is a guy you know to think about. Ty yeah, Montgomery that still is. needs to be rostered in, in yeah fourteen. I think you can make a case. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to find him available in a fourteen teamer in Wisconsin, but in a sixteen teamer, <laughs> I, I think you can you can go out and and use a, a deep bench spot on there. There are absolutely yeah. worse options for you available yep all right so let's move on to tight ends uh we already mentioned not only in this podcast but in previous shows richard rogers he caught a nice touchdown last week again with the quarrelless injury he's pretty much the guy to own in green bay i think you can almost uh bump rogers up to low end tight end two status and still available in 17 percent of yahoo and 22 percent espn leagues so that's uh something to look at he's probably one of the first guys you're going to want to go to uh if you need a tight end this week and he's available but another name that you're going to want to go to now this is a very familiar name and that is Antonio Gates who is returning from suspension I think the Chargers are going to look to get him involved heavily I'd say he's probably your top target this week if he's unowned now I looked at the numbers 
pretty high ownership, 56% of Yahoo and 74% of ESPN League. So if you're in an ESPN League, there's a one in four chance he's out there, maybe a coin flip in a Yahoo League, but those availability numbers are absolutely worth making a note of, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, <laughs> it seems like Philip Rivers is really encouraged about getting this, you know, free agent uh, back mid or, you know, early in the season, um, basically like uh, giving a huge boost to their passing game. So, yeah. and just the, you know, connection that those two have built over the years is really, you know, encouraging. Yeah, this this isn't just a one-week option either. This yeah. is a rest-of-season option. I was holding on to him in a couple leagues, and I'm very excited to finally start using him. kind of jealous that yes. I don't have him anywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, <laughs> if he's on the waiver wire, can you bid 35 to $40 on it? Is that asking too much? Hmm. Depends how bad you need a tight end, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's really contingent upon, like, I mean, even if you have depth at tight end, it might not be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you can play from a position of strength as the season goes on. Yeah, or if your uh, league uses tight end flex spots, if the tight right. end can be used in a flex, if Good it's not call. just for running back or wide receivers, that's going to only help your depth bench, especially as the heavy bye week period starts oh, to come into play. Definitely done that with Gronkowski and Eifert this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. you have to go with that. I mean, there, there are leagues where I took – I took um, Jimmy Graham, of course, not working out the greatest, but taking Jimmy Graham and Zach Ertz, who I still think will come around. Yeah. And then even after Safarian Jenkins' big game, I bid over $20 on him just because there'll be a rotation there that I'll be eventually be able to take advantage of. Right on. All yeah. right, but those first two guys, a lot of avail- or a lot of ownership. These next two guys, a lot of availability. I think we need to highlight Gary Barnage again. We briefly mentioned him last week. I know... Uh, I deserve to take some heat. I said I was not high on Gary Barnage last week. And to be honest, not a whole lot has changed. He did get six catches. He's proven reliable. Targeted six times, six catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown in week four. Week five, uh, the Browns do go to Baltimore. And uh, just looking at the most recent snap counts I could get a hold of for Cleveland, uh, he pretty much doubled the snap count of Jim Dre. Rob Hausler was very few snaps. Both Dre and Hausler essentially blocking tight ends. Now, it's the pass catching role is Barnage's job to lose. So I think if you need a tight end this week, if you're a Greg Olson owner maybe and need to get someone, I think you can get Barnage, but I wouldn't count on him as a rest of season option. Just the quarterback inconsistency and, and just the overall inconsistency of the offense. I'll throw these two facts at you. So he he's had these back to back performances of six catches and one touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. So that has pushed him into the top ten in standard formats in terms of fantasy points per game. Mm-hmm. Um he's also averaging fourteen point seven yards per catch, which is not something you you typically see from the, you know, normal tight end. Yep. So that that's almost that's approaching like Jimmy Graham and mm-hmm. um <clears throat> you know, the top uh tight ends in the league, Gronkowski for example. Yeah. So I mean the numbers say yes, but yeah. n- now that almost opens the eyes to opposing defenses that okay. they're gonna that they might game plan for that a little bit. Sure, and and I, I just so does that open things up for then you know going back to Travis Benjamin? Yeah, possibly Benjamin, even even more so Duke, Duke Johnson. Johnson. Duke, maybe they'll game plan for Johnson more this week after his huge game. I mean, they both had quite. They surprised like after after going in the season, like oh, who are the offensive weapons going to be in Cleveland? All of a sudden, they have three guys that are yeah. pretty viable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went from Dwayne Bowe, Andrew Hawkins, Brian Hartline, Isaiah Crowell. Chart. Yeah, Crowell now to I mean, almost put Duke Johnson on the receiver depth chart at this <laughs> point. But Travis Benjamin's top of the depth chart, no questions asked there. Hawkins probably next in there, but not really high on him. Bo's all the way down at fourth or fifth. He's been a non-factor there. So, I mean, I, I guess you got to consider Barnage. But yeah. personally, I'm not bidding on him. If I needed a tight end and he was available, 
I wrote down six to eight. If you need him, you might need to go a little bit more. Yeah, and his immediate value will probably take it because he's facing Baltimore, which is going to basically nothing to tight ends this year. It's just eight catches on 16 targets for 31 yards and no touchdowns. That's non-existent. Like They mm-hmm. basically contain every tight end they face this season. Yeah, so once again, I'll say it might be a trap, so you go go ahead and watch out for Barnes <laughs> this trap. week. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't do it. But uh, no, one more tight end, even maybe a deeper flyer here. Went ahead to Washington and discussed Derek Carrier. Now, his uh, availability, universal, all over the place. You should be able to go get Derek Carrier if you need him, if your fab deadline hasn't, hasn't passed yet. Uh, going to Atlanta week five. And Carrier is related strictly to the health of Jordan Reed, who suffered a concussion. Now, if Jordan Reed can't go or has to miss multi-weeks, you got to see, you take a look at how much Kirk Cousins has been targeting Jordan Reed. Uh, Deshaun Jackson still a little bit iffy uh, Mm -hmm. status there. Guys like Jamison Crowder, you know, Ryan Grant maybe having some better games there, but those tight end targets got to go somewhere, and it might not be unreasonable to expect four to five targets out of out of Carrier. What type of production that translates to remains to be seen. But a 16-teamer, you can probably get away with a 0 to $1 bid there, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Jordan Reed has 34 targets on the season. That's second to Pierre Garçon. And then we go down to the low 20s. Mm-hmm. So if that thirty, if those 34 targets are out of the lineup, they're going to have to go somewhere. And that could just mean that Kirk Cousins is a bit more inclusive with his passing and actually, you know, gets Carrier involved. Mm -hmm. And so far, among Carrier's five targets on the season, two have happened in the red zone. So he could, you know, hit the end zone fairly quickly if Reed does sit out. He could almost be, I I don't want to compare player types, just strictly numbers, but maybe Dwayne Allen type player when he's healthy. Sure. Something like that. That could be an okay analysis. Uh, uh, not as valuable in PPR formats, maybe more in the touchdown dependent leagues. So, yeah, he, you're not going to see him getting a lot of production from the 20 to the 20, but once he gets to the red zone, that's when he's going to, you know, make the money for you. Yeah, I'd say that's a safe bet for your expectations for Carrier. Wrote down 0-1, to one, might have to go a couple dollars more in a deep league because yeah. uh, just, you know, kind of sweeping all the other waiver sites to make sure I didn't miss anyone this week. Carrier's name comes up in a lot of places, so yep. he's no secret anymore. Yeah. Um, I just want to move on to uh, the kicker defense format of the show here, that little segment. We don't like to t- spend a ton of time on this because we very rarely, if ever, will recommend using your fab money on a kicker or defense. Uh, bookkeeping note, uh, it would be Nick Novak of the Houston Texans. We didn't mention that he replaced Randy Bullock last week, so we just want to get that out there. Uh, only owned in 9% of Yahoo and 13% of ESPN leagues. What I really like about him more than anything is... I. That he's going to kick in a dome, especially during the, the winter months. So, uh, I mean, of course, minus the road games, but uh, that Houston stadium there. So that's always helpful. Oh, Something yeah. that once we get to, once weather starts to become more of a factor in, in at the, towards the end of the season or even within the next couple months here, I'll start to run down dome kickers for you to, to stream this week. On, yeah, top, call. Yeah. On, on top of Novak, i just like to look at some of the top added kickers percentage-wise. Wise, uh, Josh Brown from the Giants, Sebastian Janikowski from the Raiders, Chandler Catanzaro from the Cardinals. All of those are perfectly viable options if you need to have a, uh, a, a kicker this week. If you're, a, if you're a Graham Gano guy, I guess, from Carolina, or I mean, if you're a Blair Walsh guy from Minnesota, I'm, t- I'm thinking of backups or bye weeks this week that you might need to replace. Uh, Blair Walsh you should have probably cut already. He's having a pretty rough go around this season. Uh, let's move on real quick. We ran down the tight ends. Streaming defense. Now, every week I like to pick on who's playing like the Jaguars or the Bucks because of the turnover-prone <laughs> quarterbacks and struggling Except. offenses at some times. Except this week they're playing each other. So do you stream any of those guys? Do you back off or do you have another pick, Eric? 
yeah, back off because we've already noted that <clears throat> Blake Bortles has the fourth most pass attempts in the on the year, and he's probably going to continue that trend against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and that could translate to you know unnecessary negative points for your fantasy pursuits this week. So there's a team that I'm kind of keen in on, and that's Cincinnati. They are playing the Seahawks, so that may shy some people away from them. But so far, the Seattle offensive line has actually given up the second most sacks in the NFL, 18, which is one off the top in the NFL. I don't remember who that is off the top of my head. But anyway, they've given up a lot of sacks, and Cincinnati has actually been a surprising source of sacks, getting 11 so far after ranking last in the league in 2014. Yeah. So, so far, Seattle's also allowed two defensive touchdowns to happen and turn it over six times. And Cincinnati's for seven turnovers, which is ranked in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, um, two, those two factors coming together seems to be like the perfect blend for a Cincinnati defense. And I was surprised. And the game's at home for them, too, yes. by the way. I was very surprised at the availability of the Bengals. I, I looked in the league where I needed a defense. Unfortunately, they were not there. I actually hovered my mouse with over the plus sign with the Jaguars. And then I, thinking about Jameis Winston turnovers, I hovered, hovered. And then I'm like, ah, oh, no, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the either the Lions or the Giants just for something more long-term. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, back to the Bengals, it's not just the, this week. I mean, this week's a good bet if you're streaming or you're using them in daily. Yeah. But uh, the numbers that you've suggested so far have seemingly, they imply that they could be a rest-of-season option for you. And if you can stop streaming defenses week to week, save yourself a little bit of time, that's only a positive, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you look at the fact that they had to play AFC North teams like Baltimore, you know, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, um, I think only... Um, Baltimore is kind of ranking in the lower half of the league in terms of pass protection so far. So you might not be able to get all those sacks that you're hoping for against, you know, Ben Roethlisberger when he comes back and um, who is it? Josh McCown. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I think uh, going forward, like they've been basically a juggernaut. They've probably been the the best all around team so far Mm -hmm. in every aspect of the game. And as long as, you know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati keeps putting up points, um, it's going to put pressure on opposing teams, and they've already seen that happen with giving up 365 yards per game so far, but also holding opponents to less than 20 points per game. So they've like they've stopped the opponent when it counts. Yeah, jumping ahead to that lead also helps their sack total because yeah. you know it's a pass, passing down that gives you plenty of freedom to dial up blitzes and really go after the opposing. It's a very good call there. Yeah, yeah, and and just just bookkeeping before we move on. Uh, period. Uh, I mean the Texans terrible matchup or terrible output this past week but they do get the Colts on a short week and if Andrew Luck doesn't play maybe they're a streaming option if you're really stretching um other than that though I think uh, I think that pretty much covers it for for defenses there this week so a couple to look at uh, a couple kickers as always we like to conclude it with that well thank you for listening to the Rotowire fantasy football podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com the leader in daily fantasy sports Remember to use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I am Jake Letarski. If you are out there on Twitter, at jakeski 52 And over here, it's Eric Aturian. You can find me on uh, Twitter at ETCAT30. All right, the ROTOWIRE Fantasy Football Podcast will be back with Nick and Mike on Wednesday.
They're gonna kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide. In theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.